This is Seeds Podcast, bringing you tips, conversations, and information about applied behavior analysis. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this new season of Let's Talk ABA, uh, uh, Seeds Podcast, brought to you by Seed Autism Services. Um, it's been a while, and we're back with another season. In this season, we want to talk about um, an inclusive um, education roadmap. That is the theme for this season. And we're doing a little bit, something a little bit different uh, in this season compared to the last few. We are only going to have one guest for this season, <laughs> throughout this season. Uh, and uh, that is none other than our um, own special education program coordinator, Jacqueline Marie. Welcome to the podcast, Jack. Hello, thank you, thank you. It's so good to be here. I feel so honoured to be on the podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for saying yes to be on this podcast. And um, for me personally, I you know after having um, a lot of um, exchanges, getting to know you, getting to know your um, professional um, history, I. I'm, I'm so glad that we've met and we have exchanged um, a lot of conversations and ideas around this topic. Yeah, and me too, me too. It's a pleasure. Yeah, and I just felt like we, we only need to have one. <laughs> and here we are, yes. So without further ado, I think, um, Jack, uh, I would just uh, pass the floor to you to um, introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. So hi everyone. Um, I'm Jacqueline, and so bring you back in time a little bit. Um, I did a degree in psychology actually, and then later on uh, completed my masters in special and inclusive education. Um, and throughout my career, I started off working with um, individuals on the spectrum uh, on a one-to-one -one basis. I also did um, a small group uh, teaching. Um, and then I went on, I think after five years, four or five years, I went on to working in schools and uh, started working in the learning support department of um, an international school as an inclusion aid, that's what they call it, but I guess more commonly known as shadow aid or mm -hmm. shadow teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think after a couple of years, I was given the opportunity to be a SENCO, which is a, like a special education coordinator. Um, and I was overseeing students from uh, preschool all the way to year 12. Mm -hmm. um, I was overseeing students, special needs students, students with needs. Um, and right now, I am the special education coordinator at SEED. Yay! Um, I'm really, really glad to have you on board um, and kickstart some of our programs at SEED uh, because I think, uh, yeah, so before we, I ask you further about things that are more technical, right? Mm -hmm. I want to just maybe you want to share with the audience, uh, I mean, you've been like from this, like this end of services till that end of services with, you know, the children um, uh, with special needs. What was the main motivation throughout your career to like, I need to make the leap to this area. I need to make the leap to be the shadow aid. I need, need to make the leap to um, the schools and be, you know, the 
the, the sand coal. Right. The drive behind it. Right. I think um, some some emotional <laughs> journey uh, is entailed. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. basically, I think from the very beginning, I am I'm very passionate about uh, education, mm-hmm. um, inclusive education, um, special needs education. What brought me from like one-to-one and working solely with um, individuals on the spectrum to like going to schools were, um, among other factors was, you know, some of my learners being rejected by some schools, um, but me thinking, oh, I thought they were ready <laughs> and then being rejected. Um, also being in communication and in uh, networking with a lot of families who um, experience Mm, non-access to uh, mm-hmm. education for their for their children mm-hmm. uh, I think that really drove drove me to want to know what is happening mm-hmm. in schools mm-hmm. uh, what's happening on the other side of this fence I, mm-hmm. I think education is, is a whole ecosystem yeah. uh, there are many sides to it um, so this was one yeah, driving factor because mm-hmm. meeting families, meeting parents, talking to people and realizing, wow, there's so many students who actually don't get access. Um, so what's happening? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what what's mm-hmm. yeah, what's what's the gap here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really drove me to want to go into schools to find out, okay. Um, so when I went into schools, actually I had the opportunity to work from student enrollment itself so from interviewing families and students uh, and then enrolling the students and then working with the students and working with teachers as well so I really am very blessed that I I managed to I guess journey through Mm. out uh, a pseudo you know learner's life you know from a one-to-one to enrolling into school and what happens in school yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was definitely like a very unique um, um, professional history that you have there. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. So um, tapping into these experience, right, can you share with us a little bit more about um, in these different settings um, that you've been through with your learners, uh, what kind of skills um, did you teach these learners in these different kind of settings or are, do, are they the same skills just in different settings? Mm, oh, oh. Actually, good question. Um, because I think like in, one, in a one-to-one setting, um, some of the skills that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long while. Um, you know, we, we did a lot of social communication skills uh, because working with uh, individuals on the spectrum, like social communication is one of the biggest uh, challenges that, yeah. that we face. So, uh, yeah, we worked a lot on social communication skills, uh, some self-help skills. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, going to the bathroom or mm-hmm. eating, feeding themselves. Um, and this is not just in, in young students. And, you know, I had teenagers who were also learning how to feed themselves. Um, some literacy and numeracy for the older students who, mm-hmm. you know, parents envision a future in school, possibly. Um, some community skills. Um, learning to learn skills like uh, attending, learning to pay attention, um, 
listening. Listening is a very abstract skill, but mm-hmm. something that we taught as well. Um, staying seated and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was in like a one-to-one group setting. Mm-hmm. And then um, as a shadow or an inclusion aide, um, I worked with actually a year 10 student and a year 3 student oh, okay. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On different days, uh, it's still one-on-one, right? Uh, yes, yes. It's still one-to-one. Uh, it'll either be different days or different uh, pockets of the day. Like right. Like hours of the day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this was quite interesting because sometimes within the same day, I have to work with like, yeah, different age groups, and it was it's quite fun. <laughs> um, so for the older learner, um, I I did more. I, I worked a lot on executive functioning, oh. so organization. Uh, you know, mm. making sure she's up to speed with her tasks and things like that. Uh, some study skills, uh, mm-hmm. because to sit for examinations, mm. and a lot of independence. Like mm-hmm. how does she learn independently? Mm. Um, taught her how to use Google, <laughs> you know, things like that. I uh, taught her how to do research. And then for the younger learner who was about eight, nine years old, uh, my job school was totally different. <laughs> okay. It was literally shadowing him, you know, um, throughout yeah. his classes. Whenever there were social situations, I would, the expectation is that I would coach him during these uh, situations mm-hmm. to uh, encourage Communication, social communication with the peers, uh, with his teachers, during class, during meal times, um, during lessons, um, I would teach him different strategies to like learning math, for example. Right. Using, um, you know, tangibles mm-hmm. to learn math, okay. uh, language, yeah, learning classroom routines, some mm-hmm. classroom rules, mm-hmm. what you can and cannot do during a class. Um, so you can already see the difference from like one to one and and in school, yes. you know the school the, the skills do change a, a little bit, but ultimately I think foundationally I think they're yes. quite the same. Yes, but um, uh, like uh, really promoting that independence. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. that 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 kind of a school kind of setting, I can. Mm how your role um, changed. Yes, yes. And then finally, as, as a SENCO, the mm. special ed coordinator in school, so as its name suggests, right, I was more like a coordinator. Mm. Okay, I would um, oversee like all the neurodiverse students in, in a mainstream international school. Mm. Um, and I was overseeing like students from pre-kindergarten to year 12. Um, so it's a very huge range. It is a very huge range, and also a lot of students. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, I had to, you know, have an approach. Yeah. So I, I, I uh, used a mix of a UDL, which is Universal Design Learning, mm-hmm. and RTI, which is the Response to Intervention. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you know, yeah, mixed and matched and made. Mm-hmm whatever works for the school whatever works for the learners you know um and to to reach out to to the students in need so Mm. some of them i would meet like uh we call it extraction so i would extract them from the classroom and meet them on a one-to-one basis Uh, and then some of them i meet them in pairs or small groups 
for this, I actually don't pair them with their year group. I pair them with ability. So, okay. Yeah, the year three student can be in the same group or pair with the year five student. Mm. Um, so when it came to like the Senko Learning Support Department, it doesn't matter what year you're in. That's right. What I tried to implement. Um, and then for the other students, I would work with their teachers. Try to work with their teachers <laughs> to implement, you know, like classroom strategies or differentiation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned UDL and RTI. Those are, with my very limited knowledge on them, um, are systems, right? That, yeah. um, so you did implement um, these systems. Um, in some of the classrooms. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think try would be the keyword here. <laughs> because yeah. I think to the implementation of, of these approaches mm -hmm. really takes uh, a lot. You know, it takes, mm -hmm. it takes support from the school. It takes, mm -hmm. like, for example, UDL is, is like you even get support from, from, from the cafeteria staff, you know, you get support from the bookstore people, from the cleaners, you know, so it's a school approach. Everybody plays a part. Everybody plays a part, yes. So uh, that's why I say try is the keyword <laughs> because I, I would use as much as possible and I would implement as much as the school can take or could take um, and as much as the learners needed yeah, yeah. Hi. Thanks for sharing that. Um, because I think it's very eye opening that, um, you as Senko, um, don't only do extraction, but you actually do a whole lot based on what that the 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 student need. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's wonderful. That's great, and I can see how your passion <laughs> inclusion. Um, uh, um, you know, just sparkles through your eyes. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, I think when you're trying to like um, do these in schools, when you're trying to, as you're trying to find your next um, opportunity with these learners, I, I think you've been trying to advocate for inclusion, um, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your work with inclusion? What is your take um, on inclusion? Mm, yes, I can. <laughs> I think um, I think inclusion is mm. is a huge, huge thing. <laughs> I think it's really important. I think it's so crucial um, in any society. Uh, but I also at the same time understand that inclusion can be a very huge ask. Mm -hmm. um, uh, on a personal level, like I, I personally have experienced, um, you know, being marginalized, ostracized based on, you know, my race or religion or socioeconomic status. I've seen other people, um, mm -hmm. you know, experience the same thing, mm. um, even from a very young age. And uh, now that I'm in the field of education, in the field more specifically in special education, um, I, I see even more, you know, families being marginalized. And it's interesting 
to see learners being you know put on the sidelines based mm. on learning abilities like really blows my mind like why <laughs> you know how, it's supposed to be a place to learn right it's supposed yeah, to be a- like how can this be you know i mean as it is already mm. uh, we're all different you and me um, mm-hmm. you, you know we learn differently i'm sure um, so how come there are students who mm. still don't still are not included in our education system how come mm-hmm. you know so um yeah, I know Malaysia has been doing lots of awareness, you know, and you know, and we we try and it's good. I think we should continue doing that. I, I definitely see a, a great need for continuous um, awareness, understanding, uh, empowerment and acceptance in the entire community. Mm-hmm. That everyone can understand that inclusion is not a thing. <laughs> inclusion is is yeah is you know it, it just is yeah. like that's so beautifully put yes inclusion is yeah it just is yes. yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't be like oh i want to achieve inclusion hmm. but we 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 are inclusion we should know that we are inclusion right um mm-hmm. and of course getting down to the technical part of inclusion mm-hmm. um, you know in a nation or in a country, mm-hmm. we need to implement inclusion, right? We need to introduce and then we need to implement. We need to tell people, this is great. You need to try, mm-hmm. even though inclusion should be natural. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it will require a systemic change. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And change requires time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, I, I still have hope, lah, because yeah. um, I there think has been some progress. Sorry, surely there there has been some progress. Surely, oh yes, yes. It's just sometimes it feels like we move forward, and sometimes yeah. it feels like you know, we we have we have barriers, lah. Yeah. And I think with with anything and everything in yeah. in a na- in a nation's progression, mm-hmm. it will always be that way, lah. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think what made me really happy was like in 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. the implementation of the zero reject policy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, you know, special education students, like automatically educational access, that means no schools can reject them. Yeah. <laughs> Dream come true, right? Great yeah. opportunity. Um, oh, so happy just talking about it. <laughs> like, yeah, just access. Uh, yeah, access to education and yeah. edu- any education. Good, you know, good education, quality education. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet here we are in 2023, right? Mm. And and we still, I think as educators, I'm, I'm sure, Alexa, you have your fair share of experiences too, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, you find, you know, maybe some of your students, m- my students still get rejected sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, based on on some reasons, lah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one interesting thing I read right about the ZRP was that um, yeah, it said that oh, you know, because this policy is in place, uh, a proper and accurate readiness factor becomes a priority. 
mm-hmm. a priority requirement in mainstream schools. That means, okay, now that there's a zero reject policy, um, we need the 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 main requirement is we need kids to be ready, right? Accurate readiness, mm-hmm. a proper proper properly ready lah for yeah. school. Yeah. So. Hmm. <laughs> that leaves- the question is how what is the readiness factor mm. do all educators have same understanding or educators meaning um, all educators from different kinds of schools different kinds of backgrounds um, general educators special educators do we all school administrators mm. um, all the way up to you know um the administrator's um, level, do we all have the same understanding on the readiness factor? A very short and quick answer is no. Mm. (laughs) We don't have the same. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. and and I think that is a very, very good and valid point uh, Mm. that should be highlighted Mm. because um, I think the expectation of readiness is very different. Mm. Yeah, for different um, institutions, for different... Yeah, educators for different types of schools. So, yeah. Um, public school, private school, international school. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think readiness level can mm-hmm. be quite different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think um, it, it's going to take time. Um, I think we're going to agree that uh, inclusion, as ideally as we'd like it to be, that inclusion is. Um, it is uh, going to be a systemic change that we need to be a little bit patient about. Um, so for me personally, I'm not quite happy with the answer, right? I'm not quite happy with like, oh, wait, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I really do sometimes feel like we owe it to the parents. We, you know, the, that, that journey together with us. Um so that always brings me to the next question. Okay, if we can't, you know, we jo- we try joining the 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 fight, the 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 journey to yeah, to inclusion. Um, then that also makes me think on like when you talk about readiness factor, right? Mm. Um, let's come back to the fence here and see. Um. What can we do now? How can we now equip the students to be in the system that we have now? So I'm always like, okay, we want the system to change. It's going to take time. So can we come back over here and see what we can do? Yeah. Kind of just match where the system is going right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think on, on one hand, it's good that we have a policy to fall back on. But in the same vein, um, a policy can be implemented, but whether it's being implemented to its fullest capability Mm -hmm. is another thing, right? Uh, Whether it's working, whether it's being implemented correctly is is a question mark, right? We don't know if also, um, yeah, are are implementing the ZRP at all. And then on another hand, even with the policy, what can we do, right? As educators or as parents or families of neurodiverse learners, what can we do? 
Yeah. You just wait. No, right? Of course, you can't just <laughs> sit and wait. Lah, right? No, the kid is going to grow. The kid is going to... Yeah, right. Yeah. going to grow. So, what do we do now, right? Mm-hmm. What is... Mm-hmm. What can we do now? And um, I think, like, talking about school readiness, right, earlier, I think what we do and what we've, what a lot of people, I think, are doing is preparing our children for school readiness, preparing our children to be ready. Um, I think parents, you would agree or not, <laughs> that you would want to prepare your yeah. child for everything and anything, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. For whatever they may experience in this mm-hmm. life, um, you may want to maybe equip them or teach them certain skills or um, uh, like ways on how to navigate, um, yeah, life or in this world. So it's it's the same like, for you know neurodiverse mm-hmm. students, and that's what exactly what we can do. Mm-hmm. School readiness. We can prepare them for school. Yeah. As much as we all know about school, all of us went through the Malaysian well, I went through the Malaysian system and you know, I all of us went through some form of formal um education in school, uh, or in an institution, in an education institution. So we kind of know some of the expectations. Mm-hmm. And using that we can prepare our our learners mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. For that, yeah, yeah. in this yeah. time of waiting, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that that can be the answer. Um, equipping our students, um, to join the system first, um, until the system is ready. Um, yeah. So if we can empower them with the tools to thrive in the system, now, mm-hmm. why not? We do that, right? Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, so with that, um, you've seen sort of like, you know, the whole picture in terms of uh, a special needs student's education outlook. You've been one-on-one, then small group, then, you know, you're the support in the school system, and then you are part of the school system supporting um, and enrolling these kids um, into school. Um, what is your take? What is your, you know, I just want to try to put this together um, for the parents, for the students. What do you think is the outlook for a special needs students right mm. now? Mm. Um, I, I think there are so many factors that mm. uh, can change the outlook for every student. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in Malaysia, don't have to talk about the whole world, right? Just in Malaysia, you look at the disparity of of where someone lives can mm-hmm. change access, accessibility already, right? Um, or um, parents' education level as well, mm-hmm. right? That also can change. Or in that particular particular area, what's what's the climate like? Talking about special education or even neurodiversity. What's the climate like? I think all these can can be factors of um, you know, an outlook la, of of a special needs student. So, uh, for me, I think personally, based on my career or my experience, I would put my I would be able to put myself into the shoes of a, a middle income neurodiverse mm. student in Malaysia. 
who's been through one-to-one therapy, uh, some group stuff, tried enrolling in school and finishing high school, right? Um, and I think hypothetically speaking, if a neuros- neurodiverse student grows up in, let's say, in Klang Valley, mm-hmm. uh, middle-income family, mm-hmm. um, I think their opportunities will be far greater than a neurodiverse child who grows up in, say, you know, a rural area um, mm-hmm. of a different state, or may- maybe in, in even in Salango or, or in KL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the chances... Um, the chances are that families from the rural areas, more rural areas, would have to settle with what is available to them, mm-hmm. uh, which can be very, very limited. Yeah. Um, in, very limited accessibility. Yeah, very limited accessibility. Uh, or even knowledge. Uh, mm-hmm. of like, oh, I think, you know, there's something different in my child. Maybe I should explore something. Even that, mm-hmm. you know, not even to a point of I need help and where do mm-hmm. I go? Even before that, there's already a limitation. Yeah. Uh, whereas for a child, um, you know, in, mm. in the urban city, I think the options are, mm. there are more options. Mm-hmm. And I think people maybe talk more about neurodiversity, maybe. Mm. Parents mm-hmm. are also a bit more aware about neurodiversity. Then, oh, you know, there's knowledge, there's talk going around options available they know where to go so i think the the experiences can be very different um, mm-hmm. yeah. and i just had a thought when you are talking about this then what then what can we do right for these um, kids who can't access um but then it brought me back to our chat earlier about systemic change right if if there's a change in the system nationally then it will cascade down to these um, families as well. Correct. Correct. Because from the system change, every child will be given the opportunity, no matter what. Every child. Yeah. 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 That would help. I know. But what about like, okay, back to like the middle income, Klang Valley, um, special needs family. Um, What would be... um, so let's say this, you know, they're in Clan Valley, um, very young child, yeah. just got a diagnosis. And, you know, the parent come, ask, how long does my child need to be in a one-on-one therapy, right? Um, usually, they will be recommended to start one-on-one um, speech therapist, OT, maybe some ABA, right? Um, what are some of the factors that are dependent on when they they graduate from the one-on-one um, therapy and they're ready to move on to the next step mm-hmm. and you know what's next and then what's next you know it's always very daunting for parents to you know just receive this news and yeah. th- their education is not as straightforward as what we've been through like uh, we, we just cause there is now not yet lah, the you know system is not in place yet so how can we what would you say to parents um when they ask this question i think that is actually a very common question for parents to ask right um and perfectly normal as well because generally i think we all want to know right some timeline or idea of like Mm -hmm. yeah of okay so now this then what 
right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And it's something different, something yeah. that they haven't necessarily gone through this path themselves. Correct. It's, mm. it's, I think in some countries, they call it like the alternative uh, yeah. route, right? Where instead of oh, just going from preschool to year one, year two, year three, and then all the way to year 12, this is like alternative pathway. Mm-hmm. La. So like, I think today that's what we're talking about also, right? The, the education roadmap for a, a, a neurodiverse student. So, I think I just want to go back again to uh, something we spoke about earlier, like how we, we learn differently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think at a very uh, foundational level, at a very basic level, we're all unique. Sounds so cliche, but we are. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. we're all so unique. We are yeah. all made up of different experiences and we learn things so differently. We learn things at a different pace. Um, and it applies the same to our neurodiverse learners, you know? It's that, yeah, everyone's unique. Everyone learns at a different pace. Uh, some of us may be better at certain things, more talented, more gifted in certain things. Uh, some of us are very quick learners, some not so much. Uh, suddenly, I thought of that phrase, jack of all trades. Check. Yeah, it's like someone is the master, of, none. master of none, right? So, <laughs> you know, some people are master of one, you know, some people are just the jack of all trades. Um, so it's the same thing. Um, so all these act as like you know the factors or dependent variables are. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think I want to draw like everyone's attention to how because we're all so different. Mm-hmm. Um let's say once a child starts with one-to-one learning, it is the next step is not like the same for everybody. <laughs> like yeah. One-to-one, every child from one-to-one yeah. has to do something, you know, mm-hmm. it can differ. So some students, uh, some learners in one-to-one mm-hmm. can go to school Mm-hmm. right after mm-hmm. some of them oh, oh what kind of school can yeah what kind of school yeah school can yeah. be a special needs school can mm-hmm. be a home school uh mm-hmm. some sometimes in the mainstream school but some of them may need like shadow aid support yeah. like what you've done in yes yes correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah even while i was a shadow aid actually there was sorry like divert yeah. a bit yeah. <laughs> but there was uh, another student in year three who was neurodiverse, but mm-hmm. they did not have a shadow aid. Right, yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, and that, and that um, is an option too, you yeah. know. And he came from one-to-one as well. Yeah. yeah. But he came into a mainstream school, no, um, no shadow aid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas my student came from a one-to-one setting, went to a group setting, mm-hmm. and then came to school mm-hmm. and had me as his shadow aid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so different pathways... Uh, yeah. different you know but all rivers lead to the same <laughs> sea you know you know different pathways to to the same mountain mm-hmm. um, so yeah I guess like in in some instances you know uh, one-to-one from one-to-one they can go into small group learning mm-hmm. EIP mm-hmm. and even in EIP there can be different levels of EIP then only go into school 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. School or special needs school, um, mm-hmm. it really depends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we know? <laughs> ah, I think that's the next question. <laughs> how do we decide? Yeah, how do we decide? Well, thankfully, there are um, researchers and, and, you know, people working on various assessment tools that mm-hmm. we can use, that we have access to. And these tools can help us make, you know, like a more informed and objective judgment uh, mm-hmm. on the child's next step. So we can match like the uh, learner's abilities mm-hmm. and how ready they are for the next step and what is the next step, whether mm-hmm. it's school, for maybe just pair learning, you know, um, these assessments can help us. Yeah. Get, yeah. It's very objective and... Yeah. I really like how, um, I mean, I want to say in the midst of um, a lot of advocacy for inclusion, a lot of hard work, a lot of sometimes even tears shed, um, the saving grace, I think, um, is we still have options. Um, we, um in the private and the public um, area as well. Um, I'm just very glad that, you know, there are still options. Um, and, and also with these options and with these, like the assessment um, that you mentioned, right? I think um, at the end of the day, it sounds like, um, like I, when you compared about, when you compared that um, year three student who didn't need an, an aid in the night, your diverse student and then the other student or your student who needed um, your help. I think at the end of the day, it does sound like it's very child-centered. Um, whichever way um, they, just as long as they thrive, right? The, the, the main goal is they thrive, right? In, in the institution, in the system that they are in. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for for wherever they the seed they may be planted, may they you know blossom. Yes, yes, certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that uh, big picture. It's very clear, and I think um, yeah, I think the the always the goal is whichever route. Um, everyone is different. Oh, and also I also had a thought. I I I had a little chuckle just now. It's like, uh, you know, during our time, we had that PTS. PTS. Exam. Yeah, year three exam. Yeah, in year three, then we can, some of us can skip oh. year. <laughs> and some of us, you know, others just, you know, yeah. do that. It's yeah. just, just <laughs> until today, I don't know what's the rationale behind that. It's a very good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost as if like, okay, if you're if you're yeah, okay to go do that, then that, right? And yeah, and, and if you're not, then you know it's also okay to have um an alternative uh road as long as um the learning is happening. Yep, yep, correct, mm-hmm. correct. Again, different pathway but lead to the same same um, um yeah same mountain yeah. Yeah, yeah 
All right. So speaking of like institution, you know, I think like the mountain is uh, the school, right? I think, uh, and I always think that school is the small little um, community, like the very first community that our learners um, make contact with. Um, yeah, I mean, think outside of their family, their direct life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like their first contact with community. Um, so, what does um, what does school mean to you? Mm. Before well, we end this episode, yeah, uh, I I think school to me like uh the first thing I thought of actually was it's it's a place or an institution it sounds very yeah. clinical but a place yeah. um, where learning takes place right mm -hmm. so I, I thought of like art school that mm -hmm. means you learn art right mm -hmm. okay school so you learn mm -hmm. how to play baking school you learn how to bake gardening <laughs> gardening school you learn how to garden right mm -hmm. uh, similarly like if I say the word park mm -hmm. to you uh, well if someone said the word park to me <laughs> you know um, I would think of Wu nature right yeah. but there are different kinds of parks right bicycle mm -hmm. park dog park skate park and they all can look very different mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um so yeah when i think of school i do think of learning mm -hmm. i do think of education mm -hmm. uh but i really want to emphasize that when i think of education um, i don't only think of school yeah yeah so when I think of school, yes, I do think of learning and education, yeah, yeah. some form of learning. La. But education can happen anywhere. Sure. Anywhere. I think uh, yeah. that. Um, but yeah, but school is where learning happens, but learning also happens everywhere. Else. Yes. Thank you for that uh, little thought um, of yours about school. And I think that's why um, at the end of the day, when we think about school placements, when we think about um, the education roadmap, when we think about the vision of um, how, how does the outlook of a, a child's, a special a neurodiverse child um, education roadmap look like, I think at the end of the day, um, we really want that place mm. that institution that school yeah. to be where learning actually happens for that particular yeah. Um, yeah. student yeah yeah you're right <laughs> well thank you very much that's the uh we're coming to the end of our episode um today um jack we will see you in our next episode Yay. Bye. Thank you bye Thank you for tuning in to Seeds Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode.